It's 10 a.m., which means it's time for Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. Happy Saturday. Good morning. It is Utah Car Sense presented by Mark Miller Subaru here on The Zone Sports Network. I'm Austin Horton, and he's uh, Eric Jensen behind the glass today. Having a hard time hearing myself there, Eric. Let's, let's bring that music down a bit there, sir. Thank you. Jeff Miller, do you have me? Do you got me? I got you. Can you hear me? Barely. Barely got you. See if we can get closer to the mic or, or turn him up there, Eric. I'm not sure what if we can. Uh, That's a little better. Better? Little better. Getting better, yeah. How are All you? Right. Good to talk good. to How you. you been? Good, man. Good, good, good. Now, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, there's been, it's a downtime for a lot of people. There's not a lot going on every day, but you are not in that realm. You've got a lot of things going on in movement, and it, there's a new owner at Mark Miller Subaru these days. That's true. A new same <laughs> owner. A new same <laughs> owner, yeah. Uh, you, you've, you've long been part owner, but the big news uh, happened. You, you're now a full owner of Mark Miller Subaru. Congrats. Yep. I, yeah, I pulled the trigger last week and bought my dad out. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Been 17, 18 years in the company. So it's pretty exciting to have it all myself. Now, nothing really changes day to day, right? You've, it's all business no, it's as still, usual. General manager, still running both stores. Nothing changes day to day. We won't ever. I mean, the name will never change. The name. I mean, it'll always be Mark Miller Subaru. No need to mess with a good thing, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then my uh, my brother will be buying into our Toyota store as well, so he'll he'll take over the Toyota world. Well, congrats to uh, your parents for now full time uh, retirement or whatever they'll be doing with their lives, and congrats to you and yours for uh, p- full time ownership. It's exciting, and we uh, thank you. Yeah, I think my my dad and mom will they'll definitely continue to stay busy. I'm not too worried about that. They they already, never really uh, were on angel flights last week. So oh, did they? Okay. Yeah, he ran a load of supplies. He loaded two thousand pounds of supplies and brought it down to the Navajo reservation last wow. week. Wow. Yeah, he, they've uh, both your parents have never been the kind to just sit around and golf, it seems like. No, they'll do that too, but <laughs> they'll do that on top of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Always involved in the community, and that I'm sure will continue. But exciting news, and wanted to get that out of the way here first and foremost. How's the family? Things are, are okay at your place? Yeah, things are okay. Still homeschooling the kids. and Yeah, I've been working every day, but my wife's home homeschooling the kids and getting a little stir-crazy. When does school end? Um, I think it's going to go through the end of May. Okay. Because I, I know Our some heads. school districts are ending this next week will be the final week. For yeah, some I, think school our, I think ours, they're homeschooling and their online digital iPad learning. I think it goes through the end of May. Okay, cool. Well, he's Jeff it Miller. sounds like all the summer, the crazy thing is all the summer school stuff and the summer camps and all that stuff are getting shut down. Yeah, we're in for a, a long summer together. Uh, for for all you parents of children out there, uh, and hopefully it'll be a great weather summer where you can just send them outside with some sunblock and tell them to come back for dinner. You know, just be safe, don't talk to strangers, and I'll see you at five o'clock. That should be what exactly. the goal is. Yeah. He's Jeff Miller. I'm Austin Horton, and we're uh, here for Utah Car Sense. Your phone calls at eight five five three four zero zone today. Eight five five three four zero zone. 
Let's go ahead and uh, light those uh, lines up. If you've got a question, a comment, a story, anything you got to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. 855-340-ZONE. Another thing I wanted to talk about right out the gates here, Jeff, is a week from today, Suba Blue is doing something really cool with Nuzzles & Co. What's the plan there? Yeah, we're going to do a pet food giveaway. Let me pull up all the exact info on it. But, yeah, so it's going to be a pet food giveaway at the stores where people who – just they're struggling and can't afford to buy enough food for their pets can come by and get donated food for them. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I've got it. It says uh, Saturday, May 16th uh, from 4 to 6 in the afternoon. Uh, and what is this address? 130 East Winslow Avenue. Is that the Midtown so that's store? Just, yeah, it's just to the north of the Midtown store. It's where that America First is. Okay. And so we have our that little house on the corner. We actually own that. That's where our marketing department works out of. Ah. So it's going to be out of that house. And so America First has agreed to let us use their parking lot to stage. Oh, cool. So the idea is that they're going to line up the car in the America First Credit Union parking lot. And then kind of one by one, we'll go and just roll your window down, open your trunk, and we'll put some food in the back. Awesome. And uh, it's all donated food from uh, Nuzzles & Co. and that you gathered with the uh, various drives that you've done. Now, it says uh, there's a limited supply of puppy and kitty food, wet food, and cat litter. So make sure you get there soon uh, at the first. It's probably first come, first serve, I'm assuming. But this yep. is really, really cool. Hashtag no fur unfed, as Blue knows that many humans are having a hard time keeping their fur panions fed, so he wants to help. Really cool stuff. Uh, that's really good. That's really exciting. Yeah, we're excited about that. It's going to be cool to be able to get a lot of people because there are a lot of people that are struggling to buy food right now and struggling for their pets, and the pets struggle just as well as the people do when you can't buy food. So it'd be nice to be able to help out. Yeah, dog and cat can't really go out and uh, find themselves a, a delivery part-time job and go searching for their own food and stuff. They're they're relying on the, the owner, and if the owner is cutting corners and things and needs help. It's not just the family that needs food. It's the the animals as well. It's really cool. Absolutely. All right. We do have our first caller of the day, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE here on Utah Car Sense. And Travis is first up this week. Good morning, Travis. Good morning, guys. How are you? We're good. How are you doing? Excellent. Oh, I'm doing good. Hey, uh, just had a thought, and I wanted to... Uh, I almost had Hines and Scotty talk about it. I uh, was emailing Lloyd. They didn't quite get to it yesterday, but I kind of wanted to get your thoughts, Austin. Um, on the, the Donovan and, and Rudy situation, um, also on the Ingle show, he was he, they were talking about Hayward um, and the what if, if we did have Hayward and Donovan and what that would have done to Donovan's growth. Um, what if, Somehow we facilitate a trade to get Hayward back. We keep our core, though. Donovan's at point, either Joe or Gordon at shooting guard and small forward, Boyan at the four, and Gobert at five. What would it take to get something like that done, like to get Hayward back? And do you think Utah fan base would accept Hayward back? All right. Thanks, Travis. Thanks for the call. Uh, Jeff, you're a big jazz fan. I'm going to let you answer that first. Well, it's not just cars here on Utah Carson. No, I'd go first of all. I don't think Utah would take, I don't think the fan base would accept Gordon back. 
I don't think that would work. Yeah. I think there's too much bad blood there. And second of all, there's no way it works money-wise. Doesn't Hayward make like $35 million a year? He is a player option, I believe, for next season of 34.1, uh, which he's going to take. He's going to pick that up. I mean, come on, yeah, that's you, crazy. Yeah, you gotta give up. You're gonna have to give up Boyan or Rudy to get him. Especially because, guess what? This whole COVID thing is gonna make the salary cap drop by about twenty percent. If mo- if not more, yeah, that, yeah. that's yeah. there's no way. Now, from a pure basketball standpoint, if we we're building a two K team, I think Gordon Hayward's skill set fits perfectly into what the Jazz want to do. Uh, that's why they wanted to hold on to him. Obviously, uh, they drafted Donovan. Before uh, Gordon left, keep in mind. So they they figured that he would be a complement to what they wanted to do in their goals. It didn't work out. So from a basketball standpoint, yeah, you absolutely want a guy like Gordon Hayward on this roster. Uh, but you didn't. That didn't happen. And Boyan Bogdanovich comes along, and I got news for you. I think Boyan Bogdanovich is a lot better uh, shooter and scorer than Gordon Hayward is. Especially now that Gordon Hayward has had that injury history, which is too bad. Yeah, for less money too, and a lot less. Well, no, yeah, a lot, it is. It's not thirty-five million, uh, and uh, that—that's something. And then the bad blood. I—I I said this on my podcast. I said it on the shows this week. I don't know this for a fact from anybody except my own brain. I would be speechless if the Jazz ever made a move for Gordon Hayward again. I would. I can't. I cannot imagine. I think that that window think, has been uh, locked. Of the NBA, do you think the NBA is coming back? So I am still of the optimistic hope and belief that the NBA will finish the season in some way, shape, or form. And by that, it's probably just going to be postseason. Yeah, that that's where they're looking. Like the the players call yesterday between Adam Silver and the players that seemed to be the sentiment shared was he believes and the NBA believes it'd be safer to do it in one or two locations instead of flying players back and forth and teams back and forth across the country or wherever. It, it's tough. It is. It's, it's, it's hard. They have – now here's the thing. I, uh, here's a question for you as a business uh, person, Jeff. Does the NBA have the right to privately purchase all their tests that they need and administer them how they see fit even when the public can't get that same access to tests? They absolutely have the right to whether they have the PR guts to do it. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think, and I think that's what Adam Silver even said yesterday, just with everything going on, that until there's a, enough tests for everybody, they're not going to do it. I mean, I think they could do it tomorrow and open the season, but the backlash of taking all the tests from people who need them isn't worth it. Yeah, except I, I don't see it as they're taking tests from people who need them. They're buying them privately. And... Uh... Uh, I, I here's I, I'm I'm conflicted because there are a lot of jobs dependent on the NBA coming back, yeah, uh, and a lot of jobs for people who can't afford to go buy a private test like the NBA. So if it could. comes back, do they just go straight to the playoffs? I think they will. Yeah, I think I think there will be a two week. League, the rest of the leagues out. I, I don't even know if there will be. Eight, I don't even know if there will be eight per conference. I wonder if it will be just top eight. Period. Top four in each conference. I don't know. I don't know how they'll handle it. Takes, okay, so it takes 30 votes to get it. Yes. There's no way that the other 22 teams' votes are not played. Well, I don't, I don't know how. So let's say, let's say they find enough tests and everyone has enough tests by the end of June. 
And the NBA says, all right, then we can hold this thing in Vegas for the Western Conference and in Orlando for the Eastern Conference. And let's say there's eight teams per conference playing seven-game series. How are you going to fit an entire playoffs for – what if every series goes seven games? How are you going to fit that in and still get a draft combine and a draft in before next season starts? I don't see it. I don't see how it goes. I, mean, I, think they gotta, yeah, I mean, I think they've got to do some sort of five- or ten-game prep. Like an exhibition situation? No, just I think you have to have like a five game finish the season kind of thing. Oh wow! So they're, I don't know, but, but the hard, the funny thing is, if you really think about it, that game in Oklahoma City with the Jazz, that game was for home court advantage. Yeah, it was <laughs> four or five that night. Yeah, right, because the Jazz are a game ahead of Oklahoma City. Yeah, so we don't want to finish that season. Let's just call so it good where it that is. That game yeah. in Oklahoma City was literally for home court advantage. So if they start the playoffs, a regular playoffs, the Jazz will have home court advantage, although there's no home court. Right. Uh, the, uh, there's no fans. There's not. In fact, that's another no thing that came out of that call. Makes a huge difference in the playoffs too, right? Right. That that's there's an argument. Some people think it doesn't. I think it has an impact. I don't think it's the the deciding factor. But home court advantage. Yeah, I don't think it is a deciding it's factor. Two, it's worth two to three points. I'm sorry? It's been proven. It's worth two to three points. Every home game? Yeah. Just go hmm. to Vegas. Well, Vegas you, you mean the, the spreads? People, the best people in the world at this are Vegas bookies. Yeah, the, the, that's, they want you to bet on those, Jeff. That's not a predictor yeah, of Vegas, what the score is going to be. Vegas bookies adjust, adjust spreads by two to three points based on home court advantage in most situations. Okay. Uh, I, uh, and what is the home record in Game 7s versus the away record in Game 7s? Isn't it pretty much even? Well, let's look it up. Yeah. But uh, I think it matters. I don't think I, I don't think you're going to say, ah, it doesn't matter at all. But I just don't know that, oh, they got home court advantage. That's a series win automatically. Book it. I don't agree with that. But uh, the other thing that came out of that call while you looked that up is that we don't know if there will be fans next season in NBA games. That's uh, He said that they could play the entire season next year without fans in the building and that 40% of the NBA's revenue comes from game day activities, tickets, merchandise, concessions, parking, on and on and on and on and on. That's a huge chunk. That, that's the, 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 We are going to see – an incredibly different NBA a year from now than we knew three months ago. Uh, and obviously this is all stuff that takes a backseat to the, the health and life factor of coronavirus. That's what matters only. But the sports side of it is something we talk about here on The Zone, and I think we're going to see a completely different world, not just in the NBA, but college football, NFL, although the NFL seems to have their head buried in the sand a little bit, thinking that things are just going to be fine. I don't know, but... So anyway, it would yeah, have been for home court advantage, though. Stat. Yeah. This is from two years ago, though. Of 129 game sevens in history, the home teams won 103. Out of 129? 81. So like I said, it's about even there, right? <laughs> no, 81%. Huh. 81% won by the home team. It's in game sevens. In game sevens. Yeah. Wonder how many actually go to a game. So 129 over the history. What? How many years is that? Including fifty-three years, something like that. Forty-eight. This was two years ago. So okay. So then add probably another. How many game sevens were there in the last two years? Five total, maybe. Yeah, probably doesn't change anything. 
Well, you definitely want home court advantage, but I, I, you saw the Jazz beat the Clippers in with home court advantage in that game seven a few years back on a Sunday. You saw the I, didn't the Thunder have home court advantage when the Jazz beat them in the first round in Donovan's rookie season? Um, Wasn't that game six here in Salt Lake that night they they won? Yeah, but Jazz won in game six. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It, it would have gone back for a game seven to home, for to Oklahoma yeah. City. So they lost that home court advantage there. Home court advantage can go away with one win and then swing back the other way. But anyway, it's definitely not something you, you poo-poo and say, ah, we don't want home court advantage. But I don't think no. it absolutely decides a series. So Travis asking an NBA question out of the gate. Interesting. 855-340-ZONE. If you have any questions, comments, or stories, we'd love to hear from you. Now, Jeff, uh, you did an interview with uh, City Weekly. Uh, well, this was la- this week, I think I saw it, if not yeah. last week. And you talked uh, about what's going on at Mark Miller Subaru and the biggest challenges you faced. But your parting shot mentioned the SBA program. And since we last spoke, the SBA program has added another 300 something billion dollars uh, for a paycheck protection program. Uh, what, what was it? 310? Another $310 billion, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, and we've talked before a couple weeks, a few weeks back about how this was a good idea, but it was executed incorrectly. What kind of confidence do you have this time around that people that need this and deserve this are going to get access to it? I mean, I think it's doing better, but the, the problem is just, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. The biggest issue they've got right now is they're scaring the crap out of companies. Is they're coming out and they're scaring all these companies to say, do you really need this? And if you don't really need this, then you need to give it back so we give it to people who do. But there's so much uncertainty in this world that no, most companies don't know, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen in the next six months. You don't know if there's going to be another quarantine in three months. And so what's happening is, so a good, a good example is take this to the auto world, AutoNation. So AutoNation, which I don't think, I don't think they deserve, they needed the $80 million, but who am I to say that, right? So they got $80 million in those loans. And so the government came and saw, oh my gosh, AutoNation, a public company got $80 million. Let's, we need to stop this. And so they got AutoNation to give it back, right? So guess what AutoNation did? They fired everybody. Oh, jeez. They fired 1,000 people. So the point of the program was to sustain ongoing operations so you could keep people employed. Yeah. That's the point of the program. You could argue whether it's to keep businesses open because businesses can, can stay open and guess how they're going to stay open. They're going to fire everybody. Yeah. They're going to cut all their expenses down to bare bones minimum so they can stay open. And that's not the point of the program. The point of the program was to keep everybody employed. So I don't like the fact that they're threatening all these companies because some of these companies, they can, they, sure, they've got capital, they have the ability to get a loan and they can, they're not going to go out of business if this happens. But they're also going to fire everybody. And the way the program should have been written should have been based off of employees. Is that you have to keep everyone employed and fully, and fully paid. And then you get the money. And that's how you use the money. The better way of doing this whole thing, in my opinion, would have been to avoid doing it through the companies. And just guaranteeing the salary of every employed individual. Okay. So if you have an employed individual... That company can guarantee that person's salary up to eighty percent, backed by the government. 
and then the government pays that employee, or does the company still the, pay them? The, yeah, then the government pays the employer the difference between what they would have made. I don't, and it's how do you do it's the difficult part, yeah. right? But you, you pay the difference between, like, so for example, if I have an employee that makes five grand a month, and because of this and the fact they can't sell cars or do service or work on cars, they are only made three grand a month, right? Mm -hmm. Then the government subsidizes that person's pay back up to their five grand a month. I see. So because the, they'd make up that so two thousand. It, it keeps it keeps companies that are say only down five or ten percent from claiming, oh my gosh, I'm going to go out of business. I'm going to take this full loan, get payroll covered for free for two months, and make a fortune. That's the that is that was my fear in the first place, and we've seen companies do that. Yeah, that's the thing that worries me. And there needs to be an outlet that says, okay, so say a company doesn't know what's going on, they get to the end of this thing, and it wasn't as bad as they thought. They can either take partial forgiveness back, or they can maybe donate that money to a charity or whatever. Hmm. Yeah, it's not been the idea behind. I'm. I agree with you. I think the idea or the spirit of the idea was supposed to be, okay, whether or not you're able to take this money, pay your employees, and stay in business is your prerogative. That's your decision as a business owner. But the idea of this money is to keep these people employed, whether or not you remain open or if you have to close. But these people are still getting paychecks that they're then putting back into the economy that then keeps things afloat. Where instead of Grabbing all this money, firing everybody, and then everyone not having any money to spend in the economy. Right. I make that argument with um, AutoNation, right? Okay. So they fired. So they fired a thousand people. Right. How many? Do you know how so many those, total employees they have at AutoNation? Um, probably twenty thousand. Okay. No, so. maybe not. No, maybe not, not many. So it's, it's probably a few thousand at least. I don't know how many stores they've got now, but okay. to say they found a thousand, just make the math easy, right? Sure. So if those thousand people just take the extra six hundred dollars a month in unemployment benefits, on top of the unemployment benefits they're going to get also too, right? So you got to add that. So say, say their unemployment benefit is um, with the six hundred dollars, say a thousand a week. Okay. So that is going to cost the U.S. government a million dollars a week. So it's going to cost the U.S. government at least $8 million to not let them have that loan. And if it goes over a year, $52 million. Right. Hmm. Like, it, it's asinine. Let them have the $80 million. <laughs> Right. Like, that's, what I, that, that's the stupid part. And they're threatening, oh, anybody who took a loan over $2 million, you're going to get an automatic audit and all this stuff. It's like, do what it's supposed to do. Get the money to people. But And what they did is they didn't make it strict enough for a company that I, I as a company, I'm, I mean, we're going to do the right thing. We're not firing anybody. But they need to have it that you can't fire anybody. Right. You could. You could. In this program, you could still. You're saying you won't because you're fire, doing the right way. You can still fire like 25% of your people. Yeah. And that's my problem with them threatening audits is they are the reason – that they got taken advantage of in the first place because they didn't totally. put the rules in place to protect against that kind of behavior. And they, they the, still don't have the rules in place. And, and these businesses that uh, did that were within their right to do that, even if ethically it's wrong. 
in, in mine and your opinion, uh, it's wrong. But according to the non-existent rules, it's a it's it a wild the, west the situation. This, this coronavirus can have a substantial effect on your business. That was the way that it was written. What you signed off on. That see, that's nothing. Yeah. And what's this, what does that mean? Does yeah. it is ten percent off a substantial effect? But that's like, all relative. Yeah. The guy who's ten percent off in business and the guy who's ninety five percent off in business have the same rules. Uh, according to that, yeah. yeah it's all relative. Yeah. I mean, so, we were off fifty percent in sales last month. Geez. That hurts. Yeah. And we lost hundreds of thousands of dollars last month. We needed the loan to, in order to pay our people, and we're paying our people one hundred percent. But without the loan, that would be really, really hard. Yep, for sure. Uh, near impossible, if not impossible. Yeah. And, and you're in a. Ideas, but who knows what their rules are when they audit us? Maybe we're going to get in trouble. Who knows? And I hope you. Know. I hope you find this comment fair. You're in a position to be able to withstand that for a little while. Small businesses can't. Totally. And not saying you're a conglomerate, you're still, you know, you're a local business, but small businesses like uh, someone that owns a deli shop and that's their only place and only income, they can't afford to hold on for a few months and see if things turn back. And they yeah. then didn't have access to this money because in 13 days it was all taken. And yeah, now they've the put another installment in and have not changed enough of the substantive rules behind it to protect those small businesses, in my opinion. That's a problem. One thing is, I mean, and it's almost an impossible situation there, to try and give away that much money in that short of time with it and do it right is insanely difficult. Sure. That's I mean, the... you got to give them something on that is that yeah, to be able to give away that much money with to have the checks and balances in place and do it the right way. It's really, really hard. That's not lost on me, but that is the gig that they signed up for. That's why well, they're in the positions they're in and. And that's why that's why elections matter, right? That's why it's, you never know. Yeah, it also it also doesn't help the fact that the people writing the laws and the people enforcing the laws see things in completely different ways. Okay. Okay. For example, right? I mean, just I mean, right now there are fights about whether the because the Treasury Department's job is they take the law that's written and they're going to come out and say that we feel this is the intent of the law and this is how we're going to enforce it. Right. And then it's Congress's job to say, wait a minute, that wasn't our intent. Mm-hmm. You need to come back and look at it and say, I mean, Congress needs to come back and say, stop threatening these companies. Yeah. Let's figure out how to get these small companies money. But we need these companies to do the right thing, because if they keep and, I, and I, this is a Republican talking point right now. But if they keep coming out and threatening all these companies, more and more companies are going to fire employees. Yeah. Well, that's because they're going to be scared. I don't want to get audited. I don't want. I mean, they're threatening these people to jail. Right. You lose. Saying, this is fraud. We're going to take you to jail if you keep this money by May 14th. And then you have to make the decision. Okay, then I have to fire all my employees to make sure I hold on to my business. Yeah, I'm going to give this money back, but I'm going to fire 20 percent of my employees. Yeah. I mean, that could be a decision I can make tomorrow. Yeah. But we're not going to do it. I mean, and we'll take our chances. And I guess worst case scenario, they make us pay the money back, and we lose a lot, a lot of money, and hopefully stay in business but it's just it's i i just don't like how they've done it i don't either it's messy i don't think most people don't <laughs> I, it, I you'd be hard pressed to find someone that is objectively okay with how it's been handled if you know what i mean i mean i mean the crazy thing is you're now you're almost a month and a half into this thing and there's still no rules on how we're gonna get forgiven 
no one even knows. No one knows if when their eight-week period goes, they just submit some documents and the bank forgives a loan or if it's going to be a six-month process. No one knows. Yeah. No one has any clue how it looks on the other side of this thing. It's blind faith. It's a bit of a problem. It's a bit of a problem. <laughs> a we'll, ta- problem. we'll take our first break here on Utah Car Sense. He's Jeff Miller of Mark Miller Subaru. I'm Austin Horton. Eric Jensen, take your calls. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Things to talk about coming up next. 15 cars. We saw the steepest drops in sales so far during the coronavirus. And when buying a used car, make sure it comes with these four things. We'll tell you about it next on Utah Car Sense. I'm Austin Horton here with Jeff Miller. We're looking for your phone calls, 855-340-ZONE. Jeff, you uh, you deal in a lot of uh, new cars and leases, but you do have a used uh, arm of the company, right? We do sell a lot of used cars. Uh, mostly on uh, lease turn-in, I would assume, or trade. Yeah, trade-in, lease turn-ins. We do buy some cars at auctions to sell and get some off the street. Now, this just struck my mind as a side note as we go down this uh, topic, but at how does a car auction work? Because we see ads all the time about auctions, and people think they can just roll down to the auction and throw a couple hundred bucks and get a really nice car. But in my mind, it seems auctions are filled mostly with garbage. But what is it somewhere in between the truth? Yeah, it's somewhere between it. I mean, the auctions, so Utah, essentially the big auctions, there are two big auctions in Utah. One's called Brazier's. It's in West Salt Lake area. And then you've got, in North Salt Lake, you've got the Mannheim Auto Auction up there. And in order to work at, get an auction car, you have to have a dealer license. So if you're not a, if you're not a licensed dealer and bonded dealer, you can't step foot in the auction. You can't okay. walk in. And so you get a lot, uh, basically, I used to go all the time when I was a used car manager and you get a little sticker with your number on it. And it's basically a long garage. I think the Mannheim's got 10 or 11 lanes. And so they're just lanes of cars drive through, garage on each side, kind of looks like a quick loop. And your car pulls on, it goes for about 30, 45 seconds. Hmm. There's an auctioneer and they, just like you think, they bid the numbers up, 10,000, 12,000, blah, 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 blah. And highest bid wins the car. Uh, speaking of Mannheim, uh, with used car prices having plummeted, uh, Mannheim uh, doesn't think it's going to last all that long. According, according to Mannheim, sales in April fell 34.4% in the used arm, uh, down 34% from 2019, which runs used car auctions all over the country. The dealer-only auctions allow companies to sell retired fleet vehicles, models coming off lease, and vehicles they take in trade to other dealers who think they can sell them. Wholesale prices yeah, for moved, used cars fell 11% in April. Yeah, they've moved um, all their auctions online, so none of the physical locations are open, which is just destroying Mannheim auto auctions. The auto auctions just getting killed. We're still buying cars at the auction, but it's all online and digital, which yeah. a lot of it's moved to anyway. Uh-huh. But, I mean, it's that, that market's going to get killed. And I, I want to say Cox Automotive, which owns Mannheim, said just yesterday, I think it was Thursday, they announced they're going to furlough 12,500 employees. Oh, my gosh. They've already furloughed 6,000 Mannheim. Yeah, for up to 16 weeks. Jeez. He said the vast majority of them are 87% of those furloughed are with Mannheim. And the other problem. Most of them are their part. A lot of, them, a lot of those employees are part-time drivers. So what happens is you buy a car from the auction and you want it delivered to you from North Salt Lake to Sandy. You pay them a certain amount of money, and they send a part-time driver out to deliver as much cars. Gotcha. So they've got 
hundreds and hundreds. Just at the Utah, they've got a hundred, hundreds and hundreds of part-time retired drivers. They're mm-hmm. all generally retired people that want to work a few hours a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the people that the vast majority of those are the people that they're getting cut. And with prices plummeting, the other problem is they've got uh, inventory that just is stacking on top of each other. Yeah, I'm not as worried about used car pricing. Why is that? Because what's going to happen is, so right now your issue is used cars, they dropped for a little while, but now they're starting to come back up. And the reason is it was panic that first caused the used car market to drop. Now it's leveling off a little bit. But what's going to happen is as dealerships start opening, for example, L.A. car dealership just announced that they were reopening showrooms. So showrooms in L.A. County just reopened this week. I think they opened Monday. Okay. So as these they start opening, we start selling new cars again with no production because no one's producing cars We're, they're going to run low on new cars so come july especially in the import brands there's going to be a very high shortage of new cars you're going to have a hard time finding new vehicles come july mm. and so because of that when the new car market goes down guess what people look for used, used cars yeah so that's when the one two three year old used cars start coming back up in price so I think it's gonna that problem is gonna take care of itself to a lesser degree. But I mean it's gonna inventory is gonna become really interesting with vehicles in the next few months. Well, when buying a used car, according to marketwatch.com, there are four things that you want to make sure you are getting uh, included in the in the sale. I wanted to get your thoughts on these uh, uh, topics, Jeff. They're number one that they say you need to have when you're buying a used car is ask for extra keys and make sure that uh, you at least ask the seller if they have both keys that the car came with. Most dealers, they say, will be eager to give you all the keys they have on hand while private parties may have to dig through drawers to find those extra keys. Yeah, I mean, we, we're we really specific on that with our trade-ins. Like every trade-in we do, we are asking the customer and begging the customer for the second set of keys. We need two sets of keys on most trade-ins, if possible, and we'll send people through those houses to get the second set because it makes a huge difference when we sell the used car mm-hmm. to have two sets of keys to the customer. And some of those, and, if, if you just have one key, these, these keys these days, they're not just run down to Home Depot and copy them. Yeah, no, they're two, 300 bucks. Yeah. I mean, it's not cheap to buy a second key. Their second thing they say is pop open the glove box and make sure the owner's manuals are are readily available now this one i've questioned about that because you can buy an owner's manual online relatively cheap couldn't you if it's not included in there yeah most of them i mean the owner's manual first of all most people don't look at an owner's manual ever in their entire life mm-hmm. so that's one thing and the second thing is most owner's manual are dig- there's digitized owner manuals everywhere so like i mean for example if you go on so when you buy a new car with subaru now you have an access to your my subaru account right sure you have a Subaru, Austin. You don't have access to my Subaru account? No, I said, yeah, I said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so on that my Subaru account, you can access an owner's manual. Uh, I've seen where you can just download a PDF of any owner's yeah. manual out there, too, for free. Exactly. So that's not as big of a deal. The owner's manual thing has kind of gone to the wayside. In fact, I'm so in my, uh, my other car. I bought a used Honda CRV years ago. And it doesn't only have an owner's manual. It's got like it's got like four different manuals in that glove box uh, for like the Bluetooth capability and the the uh, something else I don't even remember right now. But it's just taking up space in my glove box. So a lot of people might toss those. Yeah. 
But if you go on that site, that for example, the MySubaru site, there's a thing on support and reset, support and resources that you can pull your entire set owner's manual, eyesight guide, everything, hmm. every detail. So, the, the third thing Market Watch says is, uh, if if available, service records are very helpful when buying a used car. Now. You, uh, you know about Carfax and, and those services, but they don't always guarantee everything shows up on that uh, situation, right, Jeff? No, Carfax is data-driven. So if it's not a recorded accident or the body shop doesn't record it, or the insurance company doesn't record it, you're not going to get damage reports. And any maintenance record is only going to be if it was maintained at a retailer that is signed up with Carfax. Right. So we're signed up with Carfax, so if you have an oil change with us, it's going to show up on your Carfax. That VIN number records this date at yeah. this place, oil change. It'll tell you if you had your brakes done. It'll tell you how brakes were done. Like It tells you what you've done in your car on your Carfax. And that that is important to me. If I'm buying a used car, that matters a lot to me to be able to see where this car's been, what it's gone through, how it was treated before it gets into my possession. Oh, for sure. I mean, we whenever we have owner's records or... I mean, for example, when we sell a car, when we sell a car that the customer who traded in services with us all the time, we, we definitely tell that to the customer we're selling the car to. Hey, this car was serviced with us every time. Here's the records. It's like clockwork. Every 6,000 miles, they were here. I mean, it makes a huge difference in the quality of the car. Yeah, for sure. Someone who's properly maintained that car. You properly maintain a car, it's going to last a long time for you. If you don't, it's going to die pretty fast. And then the fourth thing they say that you'd like to be included in a used car is accessories like floor mats, roof rack bars, auxiliary cables, or cargo compartment covers. If you don't see them in the car, at least ask, are these available to be included in the sale? Absolutely. We get those questions a lot. And generally, most, especially uh, dealerships or car dealerships and stores, they, most of them have a closet somewhere with extra of all that stuff. That they've taken that, that have come out of trades or they've had double or someone gave it to them but i mean we've got a closet full of floor mats and cargo coverage in the works so there you go there's four things to uh look for when buying a used car have you heard about these new china these new cars in china they're called uh uh antivirus cars these movements they're making it's geely is the company that's doing this there's I haven't seen the cars, but there's, I know there's a lot of places that have antiviral spray coatings. Okay. Where you can, you can spray coatings on surfaces that will automatically kill viruses when it touches them. Yeah. There, there's like 90 days. There's the, so Geely, the car company, they've partnered with a bunch of different companies that make things like SAIC, S-A-I-C, which owns the iconic British motoring brand MG. They've added an optional feature of an ultraviolet lamp to sterilize air going through the car's air conditioning system. I don't, I, that does not sound real to me. I don't know. Interesting. How would, I mean, it's, I don't know if there's any, I'd love to see a study that says it actually works. Right. And how, oh my gosh, how would you even go about see it? Right. I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, it can, it's like, I mean, it's like the, it's the you see these cell phone boxes? Like no. the UV cell phone boxes. Oh, sure. Like box in. Yeah. I mean, I'm always, do you think that actually works? I don't. <laughs> I'm, but I think, I, I'm right? skeptical I by nature, so, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, it's stuff like that. It's like, does that kind of stuff actually work? He's all, they've also done stuff like, like you were talking about. They are painting their cars with this special paint that is supposed to repel bacteria. 
Uh, I don't know about it. This sounds now. There's a there's this comp- research company, uh, Frost and Sullivan, who says it's more than just gimmicks. They think that this is not only. Uh, they said there are some gimmick parts to this, but they think it's also some legitimate uh, uh, portions, and they think it'll catch on around the world, not just stay there in China. Here's my here's my Austin Horton word of advice. I think there's going to be a lot of companies out there that use this pandemic to try and get an edge over their competitor by factoring into the fear that people are feeling about. Well, if you buy if you buy X brand instead of our brand, they don't have the antibacterial paint on there, so you better pay three thousand oh, more question. for ours. I think I mean I think a big thing about this is when it comes to that kind of stuff for us. For us, at least, brand name means a big thing to us. Like, if you're looking at disinfectant stuff, the world's like Clorox and things like that. There's something behind that, right? Mm-hmm. Right. If I if I'm getting a Clorox branded cleaner, I can say that that's a true disinfectant. Whereas if you're buying some crazy thing you found on the internet, who knows? Right. Indeed. Yeah. Who knows? Like we're know. we're trying to find. There's there are disinfectant machines that we're trying to buy right now obviously it's hard to buy right now but we're working on getting them for the store where we could try and figure out how to disinfect cars quicker rather than how because right now we're going in we're spraying down we're wiping down handles things like that but if you can find a sprayer where you can just open the car spray out the entire car it disinfects it you're good to go it make a huge difference and i think we found a machine but it's gonna take a little while to get it and there's companies like uh we we partner here at the zone with pure maintenance They've got these, uh, like, it's almost like a bomb that goes off and settles and, and kills everything in the room. And they're using it in hospitals. People are, that have had people in, in their home that have had COVID, they hire them to come in and do this and kill the virus in the air in their home on the surfaces. There's ways to do that. But a car, to have like an ultra, say an ultraviolet light that that stands as a sentinel in front of the AC that's blasting in your face, I don't buy that, man. I just don't. I'd have to see some science behind it. Totally. Uh, all right. Here's a crazy story. There's a Ferrari enthusiast, Radarossa, they, and they've been on the hunt to find and buy Uday Hussein's abandoned Ferrari F440, or F40, I should say. And I did not know about this, but I guess when the United States, during the Gulf War, invaded Iraq, Uday, Uday Hussein instructed all of his cars to be burned. Uh, I don't, really? Yeah, that's uh, this is according to this report on MotorOne.com, which I don't. It doesn't say why he instructed them to burn all of his cars, but that's they say he instructed them. But that's the, sad. the F40 was rumored to have been saved from the burning, and so there's been a, a decades-long search for this car. Well, a guy named uh, Mazan Amin, who uh, works for Carpix decided to go on the hunt, and when he visited his hometown of Erbil in Iraqi Kurdistan, Amin, who had seen a picture of the F-40 in line, discussed the car with his father, who was then somehow able to track it to a workshop in the city. But when they got there, the owner had already moved the Ferrari to a new secret location. The operator of the workshop was able to put Amin and his father in contact with the guy with the F-40, and they arranged to meet. And what follows here sounds like it's straight out of a Born Supremacy movie. Seeing the car wasn't that simple. Rather than getting an address to the vehicle's location, Amin and his father had to wait at a cafe. 
Quote, after about three hours, a couple of Toyota Land Cruisers arrived with two to three men in each car. All of them were carrying Kalishnikovs hung around their shoulders, Amin told Motor One. They jumped out and asked if we were waiting to meet this person. They said his name, and we confirmed that was the guy. They then asked us to jump into their cars, and we drove off. Close well, quote. Not, that doesn't seem safe. Would, there's no way I'm going with these people. <laughs> if, if, if three Land Cruisers pull up and they've all got Kalishnikovs around their shoulders, they say, hey, are you looking for Bob Smith? Even if I am looking for Bob Smith, my answer is I've never heard of any Bob Smiths. I, who are you? Who are you talking about? And I abandoned the search. Nothing is more important. Nothing's more uh, as important to me as uh, not going with people with Kalishnikovs. Uh, anyway, the SUVs pulled up to a large house with more armed guards. After meeting the owner, who Amin described as a copy of Al Capone in a tracksuit with combed-backed hair, they went uh, combed-back hair. They went to a guarded warehouse in yet another location. The gate opened about one meter, and they told us to go in, and there it was. Under a large metal roof, there were several cars, and in the middle stood the Ferrari F40. My first thought was how low and small it looked, and my second thought was that someone needed to get those tires off the roof of the car. They had put four tires on the roof of the F40 as a place to store them. What? (laughs) Then everything else around me disappeared. I went around the car, looked over it closely, and took lots of photos. I remember feeling sad by the appearance of this icon sitting there and rotting away, Amin said. The owner didn't indicate how he acquired the F40, shocking, but said that he learned that Uday Hussein was the previous owner when he shipped the car to Turkey for service, and then the people in Turkey didn't want to give the car back, so the owner went there and forced them to and got the car back, albeit with a lot of parts missing. Amin and his father discussed buying the F40, and the owner asked for $300,000 in cash, which Amin and his family had a hard time coming up with and had to walk away and leave it be. Well, a few years goes by, and now Radarosa, this this Ferrari hunter, has tracked down the F40, and it's now in a different owner's possession, and it's been restored and is now being asked for uh, $1.15 million to buy it rather than the $300,000 it would have cost that day for Amin and his dad to buy it. Crazy, crazy, crazy story, Jeff. That is a crazy story. Wow, I, I also I still want to know why he instructed everyone to burn all of his cars, but whatever. Who knows what the Husseins are doing? It's, it's there's no need to even dive more into that. Uh, all right, before we take a, a break here and get to the second hour, celebrities are giving away their cars in the to help in the fight against coronavirus. I thought this was really cool. So Eli Manning has given away a Corvette, and Meek Mill has given away a Phantom. Uh, among others uh, that have just flat out completely donated their cars to uh, these, it's called, uh, what's this uh, foundation? The All In Challenge, created by Fanatics founder and executive chairman Michael Rubin, along with Alan Tish and Gary Vaynerchuk. It aims to be the biggest digital fundraiser to help curb the adverse effects of the coronavirus pandemic to those in need. The challenge has raised over $11 million so far. So the idea is they get in contact with car collectors and celebrities and say, hey, can you donate a car to this cause? And they're actually getting a lot of people to respond and say, sure, take one of my cars, just free and clear. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen this site. So it's not only car stuff they've done. They've been doing really cool auctions. 
So it's like sweepstakes to do these incredible experiences, right? Okay. So like, I mean, there's one right now that's a private putting lesson with Tiger Woods and a VIP experience at the 2020 Hero World Challenge. Wow. <laughs> so you want to do that. Basically, all you have to do, you basically, you, you make a bid. And it's right now, the current bid for that's $160,000. Oh, okay. All right. That's not, but there's the one that's 18 holes of golf with Phil Mickelson. Wow. Does it say where? That's $60,000 right now. Jeez. But then the other ones they do, there's sweepstakes and there's auctions. So then there's auctions through the same kind of stuff, right? And it's anything. It's like Pearl Jam, Phil Mickelson, hang out with Chris Evans and Superman. There's a, so like that same putting lesson they have that is, so he basically Tiger did two of those, right? So one of them he did as an auction where you can just buy it. The other one is it's a sweepstakes. So you can pay 10 bucks for an entry and then they'll draw. Hmm. But they've raised right now this website since they started this thing has raised $37 million. Wow. Wow. So the car arm was 11 million, but now the yeah. whole website's 37 million. That's awesome. Yeah. And hundred percent of the money is going to meals on wheels, no kid hungry, America's food fund, feeding America. It's all, Food websites, providing awesome. food to people in need. That's terrific. And, it's and, the coolest thing. It's really cool. Props to the celebrities and pe- people that are donating their time and uh, other things to this cause. Yeah, That's the great. platform and the setup for it, I think, was all donated by Fanatics. So Fanatics.com is the owner. That's who started it. Yeah. And I think he's donated the platform and done all that stuff for free to do this. That's great. Isn't that cool? Very yeah, cool. I just thought it was really cool. That's going to help. That's going to save lives. $37 million? Come on. Yeah, there are 145 different experiences. I mean, there's crazy stuff in there. Like, fly on fly on Drake's airplane from Vegas to L.A. and party with him. <laughs> okay. Not, that's right? not one I'd, I'd, I'd bid no, on. but, but like, yeah. a day of surfing with Kelly Slater, Dana White and Halle Berry with a UFC experience. Like, it's pretty crazy stuff. Wow. Have you ever, have you, you've gone surfing before, right? You're a California kid. I've surfed. I'm not good. Deanna's really good. I Is she? I struggle. She's, well, she's really athletic and she's like, she was a snowboarder. And so she's just used to that being sideways on something. Yeah. I'm used to being straight on things. You're a skier. So my side to side balance doesn't work great. So I struggled at it, but I did okay. I've got it a few times. Uh, I've tried it a few times as well. It's the hardest sport in the world i'm convinced of it it's you've got to be top tip top shape in order to make oh, sure insane. that happens. Oh, it's not easy for sure yeah it's a whole different type of being in shape too right it's the entire your entire body to stay up on that i i got i got up for like six seconds one time and thought i was the king of the world it was it was amazing but yeah to surf with Ke- uh, uh kelly slater the king of surf that would be pretty cool yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, there's some pretty cool ones in this thing. I think they should, I think Austin. I think you should call him. You can have like a Dave of be a radio host with Austin. Okay. <laughs> how, uh, much money, how much money do you think we could get? Uh, uh, a twelve ounce can of Coke and some beef jerky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it for hour one of Utah Carson's. <laughs> Coming up in hour two, we've got some tips on how and, and where to get your car washed. 
A million dollars in cars stolen off of a single of, of a car lot in one night by some unlikely burglars, and some other news and notes around the car world to share with you here on Utah Car Sense, presented by Mark Miller Subaru.